It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. Loose play on the left wing side, Blue Jackets in. It's Hurdle, Eklund, throwing it back to the point. Pouliot, back in front, Eklund, backhand shot. He scores! First National Hockey League goal for William Eklund on a hard backhand shot after some great work. And that puts the Sharks back in the game. 9.36 to go in the second period, William Eklund gets number one. The score is the Blue Jackets three and the Sharks two. Well, it's funny because, you know, someone brought that to my attention. I look at the time and it doesn't stick with me, but that wasn't the plan. I mean, to me, as a coach, you the game starts and you play those guys that are playing well. And that's kind of what's happened. He's earned these minutes. I, we just haven't handed it to him. And, you know, there's so much to his game that I like. Um, I like his attention to detail. I like the pace he plays at. So he's on these minutes. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. I hope you are all having a nice afternoon and looking forward to tonight's game against the Kraken as we come in with another look back at William Eklund's first ever goal in the National Hockey League. And we also pay attention, of course, to everything that has been going on since he got up here with the Sharks. Now, obviously, we look at the deadline. You know, it was around then that we saw Eklund come up. He gets his chance. He's been out there playing hard. And, you know, the thing that I pay attention to the most is that that, that play that ended the game against uh, Columbus the other night, the multiple passes as it seemed like no one else was getting back on defense until it was too late. Who was it who came screaming down the ice and dove and tried to block the shot with his body? That was William Eklund, and that's exactly what you want to see. And I'm not here to crucify anyone who didn't, um, you know, burn their jets getting back uh, to try and stop that opportunity there because I get it. Like, that happens. It's overtime. It's a 2 on 0 and no, you don't like leaving your goalie out and, you know, it would be the equivalent of the goalie getting out of the way of the net and being like, oh, well, since there's no chance, I should get out of the way. But it was just like, guys, come on, like hustle back, do something, you know, make a play, try and just, you know, show a little bit of an effort. That was one of the more disappointing parts of the San Jose Sharks season. I'll be 100% honest. I saw that and I kind of did uh, a wow in real time. And I, you know, I, I think that, it didn't look as bad in real time. And then the more and more I saw the reviews, I, it was it was not pretty in any way, shape, or form. And it was just, it was unfortunate, right? Like, that's one of those scenes that you see it go down and you just think to yourself, man, this team is not at a great place mentally right now. And I can't, I can't blame them because they have been through a lot. They've been eliminated for the playoffs. They're in the conversation for the number one overall pick. That's never a good place to be. Like nobody goes into the season and says, boy, you know, I can't wait for us to be in the discussion for the worst team in the NHL this year. I hope that's what everyone's saying about us when we get to the halfway point of March. Like, God, no, no one wants to hear that discussed. No one wants to hear that being around their, you know, overall, you know, narrative at this point of the season. It sucks. 
I'll be the first one to acknowledge it. They can't stand it. But in the midst of that, seeing William Eklund actually show that effort and show that fire, it gives you an idea that brighter times are on the future. And I know the future is a very abstract concept when we're talking about all the losing that's been going on as of lately. You know, two wins since February 20th. It's not been a whole lot of fun, and especially only six home wins throughout the entirety of the year. You know, I know the fans, for the most part, in the building want to see the Sharks win. Nobody goes into this thinking to themselves, boy, I want to go to the tank tonight and watch the Sharks lose. No, that's insane. Even though there were a couple of chants of we want Connor, which, why are you even there then? Man, like, what what, what are you doing spending your money on those tickets to go and chant for the Sharks, Sharks to lose? I don't, I don't get that. You do you. Happy to have you. I just, I don't get it. But, you know, for the most part, 99.99999% of people in the building want to see the Sharks get a win because that's the whole point. You go out and you root on your hometown team. You're in the building. You have the beer. You have the food. You have the experience. And it is a lot of fun. Like everybody, when William Eklund scored that first goal the other night, and Shang Peng wrote about this, saying that it was, um, you know, just a fun moment. And for that moment, everybody was, you know, not thinking about Connor Bedard. It was exciting. It was a big moment in the game. And that's what I think the majority of us want when we go to a game. We want to see these incredible moments, these thrilling things that, you know, you look back and you can go to the dark times of the San Jose Sharks and some other years where they had some bad seasons that led to, oh, I don't know, a guy like Patrick Marlowe coming to the franchise. But you do think about the fact that you have the opportunity to bring in and foster talent and watch them take those next steps in their career. There will be a lot of people who are able to look back in five years and say, yeah, I was there on that night where William Eklund scored his first ever National Hockey League goal. And I think they'd be very, very excited to watch what he has turned into in that time span. And I think that, you know, the next step for that is to get a look at a guy like Shakir Makhmadoulin, who is obviously coming over from the KHL and he's going to be with San Jose. We heard from David Quinn a little bit earlier this morning that he is going to be playing. He's going to get on the ice. He imagines it'll be starting with the Barracuda. We don't know if that will be the end result, but you know, I'm personally excited about this. I want to see the future of the San Jose Sharks in the sense that get them out there on the ice. Let's see what happens. I do not want to see losses. I understand that losses are relatively beneficial at this point of the year. I'm not arguing reality. I am in touch with what is happening but I am more interested in seeing effort. I am more interested in seeing moments. If the loss happens when all is said and done, so be it. But that's not what I'm rooting for. I'm not going into the building hoping to see the Sharks lose. I want to see a fun product out there on the ice. I want to see something that entertains and thrills and has people talking. And I don't like people more walking away from the stadium talking about the lack of effort that was showed on what turned into the game-winning goal for Columbus the other night. I I mean, that was bad. I'll be the first one to acknowledge it. And it is, uh, it's relatively understandable. Like I said, it's been a tough year. The energy stores are depleted. You're holding on to the finish and you're just trying to get into the offseason. But it was a bad look. I mean, the amount of passes, just the back and forth with no defenders screaming down the ice to interrupt things. And you had Capo, thankfully, to bail you out. I, I mean, that was, that was a little bit rough to watch. I, I, I got to admit, it's gotten worse and worse the more and more that I've had a chance to look at it. And, you know, it wasn't just me. Curtis Brown, who is a very, um, you know, I, I think that he's a positive individual. If you saw his take on it after the game, that, about, that was about as hot as Curtis has ever been. You know, he's usually pretty uh, chill and pretty, you know, even keeled. But he was, he was a little bit pissed off. And I don't blame him because he was also an effort-filled guy in the NHL. Love the fact that they battled back. Right. Don't like the start. 
And when you get to see the overtime goal, I get it. It's three on three. It's not traditional hockey. Yeah. But you got to work on the way back. It's not just all about going up the ice and looking for your apples and whatever else you can find. You have a netminder that's relying on you to back check, and the Sharks don't move their legs from the blue line in. And when they get there, they go behind the net. Johnny Hockey, that's his fifth point. This is against a team that's long out of the playoffs, Columbus is. Right. I need more. If nobody's going to say it, I do. So are you saying right about here's where you need more? Well, it's 2 on 0 for how long? Like, how long is Kakinen supposed to thwart this? Couple of all-stars, Line A and Goodrow. Then two guys go to the same player behind the net. Eklund tries to get over. But at this point, I just don't think that that is what you'd owe your netminder. I'd love to hear what they have to say about this. I just don't think it's near close enough. I would hope that something comes out of this. Somebody gets a little slap on the wrist. Or maybe just take the overtime play away from the guys if they're not going to play in front of their netminder. Harsh words, but I don't hate it. And sometimes you need someone to say it. And sometimes it is hard to say it in a dressing room like that where you are losing, where you are dealing with everything that has gone on up to this point of the year. Sometimes you do need those external voices like a former player like Curtis. And I don't know how it was handled internally. The guys didn't seem um, overly frustrated when they spoke to the media. I think they were upset with the loss, uh, but I don't think they were going to you know, air their grievances in public to that extent. Um, but I imagine something was said behind closed doors, and I imagine that that's something that that's, that's how you lead, you know, whether you're the head coach or the captain or an alternate. Like You've got to take accountability in that role, and you've got to be able to have a better reaction and make sure, most importantly, that it doesn't happen again. Because I think more painful to the loss is that everybody can point to that and say, what happened here? Like, What exactly was going on that led to this end, this finish? Moving along, there are going to be some line changes to what we are seeing out there, specifically uh, with the defenseman pairings. It looks like Eric Carlson is going to be paired with Pouliot, and that was something that uh, we heard from with head coach David Quinn earlier today. Well, just obviously with you know so many new players, yeah. you're trying to you know find good combinations and put people in the best position to succeed. So that's kind of what we want to... Plus, we're curious to how guys will match up and right. what line combinations will look good. So that's kind of why we made the changes. More from Quinn on Pouliot. Good. I, I like his game. I liked his game last game in particular. Uh, he's going in the right direction. And, you know, I liked his game. He's got good poise to his game, and he's defended well. And on playing with Eric. Well, I think Derek's got skill to complement Eric, and I think he's old enough and smart enough to play off Eric. So, but... I'm guessing. So we'll see how that works. You know, for the small sample size we saw the other night, we liked what we saw. So, And Quinn talked a little bit more about Pouliot and just his overall personality and just the way he conducts himself. He is. He's got a, you know, he's got a great way about him. He's got a great demeanor. You know, like I said, he's a guy that's been around and he's a talented player. And, you know, I, well, we all loved about him. Went down there and, you know, took on a lot of responsibility and did a good job with it and played well. So... You know, that's why he's in the situation he's in, and that's why he's up here. One of the other things that came up was the idea that they can do with him what they did with a Jacob Magna or a Jacob Middleton, where they turned these guys or relative journeymen into more established NHL players. And it's an interesting way of looking at it, um, because right now you are trying to maximize what you have with this time left in the season and getting a better idea of players 
is something that is, you know, the best, the best way to do it. I don't have any problem with that. I don't have any issue with them trying to see what they have and giving guys more ice time and seeing about combinations. I mean, that's, that's going to be where we go from here. Now, always we keep an eye on the Eric Carlson watch. He is on pace for 101 points. Obviously, the Sharks' offense has not been amazing as of late, but I do think he's due for a multi-point game, so we could see that uh, click up a little bit in terms of his pace after tonight. I would not be surprised if he did have a relatively big night because he probably wants to make up for, um, well, his lack of uh, defensive play on that game-winning event on the game on Tuesday night. And there's not a whole lot else to be excited about at this point besides your William Ecklins, besides your Shakir Makhmadoulins, besides maybe uh, a Tommy Bordalo if he gets uh, his time here with the Sharks before the end of the year. And Shakir Makhmadoulin is going to be coming into town. He's flying in today, according to head coach David Quinn, but he acknowledged that it's a long, long uh, bit of travel that he has to do to get over here to the United States from Russia, which, yeah, it's... Not uh, not a quick jaunt, exactly. It's not exactly SFO to LAX. But, um, you know, hopefully we'll get to see him in the Barracuda and maybe up with the San Jose Sharks as well. And these are the things, again, you're getting excited for the future. But that's not to say that there isn't business to be taken care of tonight. Seattle is fighting to hold on to their spot in the wild card right now. They're leading it in the West, but they are 37-23-7 on the year. 5-4-1 in their last 10, coming off a loss. So, you know, this will be an opportunity for the Sharks to maybe make life difficult for Seattle because, listen, you don't need this team establishing themselves in year two, just like you didn't want Vegas establishing themselves in year number one. I am all about making life difficult for expansion teams in the NHL. But it's also, like I alluded to previously, it's not just about playing for pride. It's not just grit and effort. The Sharks have to play a higher quality game overall. I mean, the last game, they came out there, they played hard for the first, you know, five, six, seven minutes of the first period, and then they got, you know, manhandled and were suddenly down 3-1. They lost all their momentum. They didn't look like they were really that engaged, and that's not something that you want to see happen. You don't go there to watch the Sharks potentially get a future draft pick. You go there for moments like Kevin LeBanc scoring beautiful goals. That's it for the power play. Absolutely nothing on this power play for the Sharks. They're one for two tonight. Benning leads it on the right. LeBanc gets by the defense. He's walking in. He shoots and he scores. What a big goal for Kevin LeBanc to make it a one-goal contest with 5.53 gone by in the third. And LeBanc jumps up into the glass. He loves what just happened. He put it in the net and the Sharks are back in. Which, by the way, and again, great call by Ruzi there, but I would love to see Kevin LeBanc just kind of fit the mold of what David Quinn is trying to make him into because I don't think he's going anywhere in the offseason. I don't think that this is going to be a relationship that ends anytime soon. I could be wrong. I'm you know, always not one to recognize whether or not that is the reality, but I do acknowledge that you know, for a Kevin LeBanc, he has been out of the lineup and not in there consistently. And yeah, in the last couple of games, he's looked better and he's doing what David Quinn needs him to do. If Kevin LeBanc can find his role in David Quinn's system going into the offseason, that would be huge because I think LeBanc, A, he's come through this year healthy. That's important after, you know, all the time that he missed last year. And then B, if he can find himself that consistent role, you know, it's like you've seen what Noah Gregor with his physicality, with his speed, with his ability to do multiple things out there, as opposed to just being a pure scorer. Like Noah Gregor has found a place in this lineup and I hope that he can build off that. Kevin LeBanc is another guy that I hope that he can build off of as well. 
Because Kevin LeBanc has great offensive ability, and before he took the extended absence from the lineup, he was on pace to have you know a season that was consistent with what we saw from him in 2018-2019 when he was playing off of Joe Thornton. And yeah, that's going to help your numbers for sure, but he had not been able to get back to that point, and suddenly it looked like he was starting to find his form, but... You know, you got to play both sides. And yes, Kevin LeBanc can be a good forechecker, and I like that part of his game. There were other things that were being asked of him as well. And sometimes the coaches have to do multiple rounds of this, trying to send a message, trying to get a guy to bring a certain thing out of their game, trying to find that one motivating factor that's going to do something for them. And it looks like that is happening for Kevin LeBanc. So we want more of that, right? Like you want to see more and more of those goals as we get deeper and deeper into the season to see Kevin LeBanc, you know, just try and find himself even in the midst of the Sharks being out of the playoff race and not having anything left to do but finish out the year. Like to see him fighting, to see him try and improve his game, that's going to go a long way with the coaching staff who's trying to figure out their plan for next year. Can they count on Kevin LeBanc? And can they count on Nikolai Kanijov who is finding his form once again as well? Now it's work three. Couture with two points sends to the slot. Knizhov shoots, score! Nikolai Knizhov, his first of the season, ties it up, and Logan Couture sets him up to make it all even. 5-5 here at the Shark Tank. When you're out of the game for that long, you don't know what's going to happen when they're back out there on the ice, right? Like, you just don't know what you're going to see from any of these guys, and and I've been pleasantly surprised with what we've seen from Nikolai Knizhov. You know, again, I was not waiting for him to come in and set the world on fire, but I didn't know what he was exactly going to be able to bring, and he's looked pretty good, and he's just a quality guy. Like, if you hear him talk after the games, if you hear him with the teammates, he just seems like a quality individual, and having that type of a guy, you know, getting this opportunity once again after he looked so promising in the abbreviated 2021 campaign, only to have injury play such a large factor for, you know, the most of the last two seasons, to see him be able to go into the offseason hopefully healthy, to be able to play his game once again. We're all, we are talking about the future, just like we're talking about William Eklund, just like we're talking about Kevin LeBanc, just like we're talking about Puglia, just like we're talking about, you know, you go down the list. You, you try and see these players that can make an impact in the here and now and can make an impact for the future as well. And before I get just a little bit from Quinn talking about uh, Shakir Mukmadulin. Well, he'll get on the ice for sure. Tomorrow. Yeah. Well, maybe not tomorrow, but it's a long, he's got a long flight. I know that. So, yeah. you know, we'll, when he gets here, we'll obviously sit down and talk and have a lot clearer picture of uh, what the next few days are going to look like for him. So, again, excitement for the future. And I know that's not always the sexiest thing to get you to, you know, tune into a game. But at the same time, you know, the idea of watching him play with the Barracuda and or the Sharks or watching Kevin LeBanc find his role in this system. Things that happen now can have an outcome a year from now, right? Like if these guys, if you're Kevin LeBanc's, if you're Shakir Mukmadulin's, if you're William Eklund's, if you're Noah Gregor's, these guys who are finding their roles in this system, if they can reestablish themselves and be able to hit the ground running at the start of next year, as opposed to the in and out of the lineup stuff, which we saw Gregor and LeBanc both go through, and then Mook Madulin, who we didn't even know he was part of this franchise until the Timo Meyer trade was made. But these are the things that you can get excited for in terms of the wonder. Like, you wonder what's going to happen next. And then also on the ice, you see Kevin LeBanc. Can he find his role? Can Noah Gregor continue to be a part of this team going forward? And again, I know it's not as, not as wild as, you know, being in a playoff race, but... 
you hope that the things that are happening now will impact the future so that we can have that conversation sooner rather than later. All right, we are out of time. Coming up at 7 o'clock, pregame coverage with Dan Rusinowski and Drew Remenda right here on the Sharks Audio Network as we get ready for a battle of the seas. The Sharks hosting the Kraken right here on the Sharks Audio Network. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.